Welcome to What Bubbles Up. Pop open your mind and a cold one and get creative with your hosts, Bill and Barry. What bubbles up? What's poppin' everybody and welcome to episode 7 of this season of What Bubbles Up? Woohoo! A show about ideas. Where do they come from and how do you know when they're truly great? This is going to be a fun, a real fun conversation, Barry. This is an old yes. friend and colleague once again uh, yep. talking about, you know, that that topic that keeps going coming up uh, over and over again this this season which is about uh, artificial intelligence, AI, yep. machine learning. Yep. But uh, our guest is going to give us, a, I think, a very positive spin on this, something very interesting that, that he's working on uh, after years and years toiling in the, uh, uh, in, in the consulting and, uh, and product space. But before we get into all of that, the all-important question at hand, Barry, is what are you drinking? Yeah, well, here I am. I am coming on a slightly muffled microphone, Phil, because yeah. I'm down here on Cape Cod here. So I decided to go a little bit local here to Cisco Brewers here hmm. uh, from Nantucket here. And I actually got a, an appropriately beachy uh, brew, a grippa, grippa, uh, yeah. which is uh, the grapefruit sort of infused IPA. So let me fire that one up here. All right, that'll be good. Nice. But, uh, it makes me feel like I'm at the ocean. Phil, yeah. what are you drinking? There you go. Nice. Well, uh, this uh, this uh, particular person that we are uh, speaking with, every, every time yes. I get with him, I feel like I'm back in New York, back in the old neighborhood, uh-huh. doing, the, doing the thing. And yeah. so I thought it was appropriate to get this one. I've never had this before. I'm looking forward to it. It's from Brooklyn Brewery. Yeah, uh, it's called the Bodega Run Well-Stocked IPA. It oh. is a, yeah, it's a straightforward IPA. It's got a little bit of strawberry notes to it, apparently. Okay. Uh, it's creamy, bountiful, uh, with uh, Sabro and Mandarina hops. All these combinations I've never had before. 6.7% ABV. Let's pop it open, see what happens. Good. Oh, oh I like the can, too. Mm. There you go. There you mm. go. All right, we're going to introduce our guest there, Phil. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are very happy to be joined by Marco Ambrosio. Marco is an old friend, old colleague of ours. He's spent years and years in uh, sort of customer experience uh, strategy uh, as an executive at at an uh, artificial intelligence uh, conversational AI company. And now he is the CEO and founder of a very interesting company called Magic Book. We're looking forward to hearing all about that venture. Yep. Marco, thank you so much for being on What Bubbles Up. How's it going? It's my pleasure to be here and good to see you guys again. Uh, I have a beer. I've gone the opposite direction. So you guys went hyper local and I love that. Back to the roots and I'm celebrating Argentina's third star and World Cup. So we have, uh, we have an Argentinian... The Budweiser of Argentina, Quilmes, which is the American style <laughs> lager. I yep. enjoy it. I'm not sure I'm going to get the great sound like Phil had, but it's a hot day here in New Jersey. Yeah, I have there it is. Quilmes. 
That looks really nice and refreshing. You know, it's quite uh, hot and humid. I don't know if it's the same in Jersey and in in the Cape, but uh, a little something refreshing uh, is always a good note. By the way, side note uh, for all of our listeners, wanted to wish everyone a a wonderful Juneteenth celebration. Um, It's a big deal here in the nation's capital as it is in in, in, uh, I I hope most places. Uh, For those who are just catching up, you should uh, check it, check into it. It's a pretty important thing. but uh, other than that, yeah, let's just get into let's just get right into it, Marco, and uh, tell us a little bit about your origin story. How did you how did you get your start? Um, it seems like this this new venture is a culmination of of every stop on on your subway of life, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, definitely not shoots and ladders. This is a this will be a I'll try to make it as connect the dots as possible. But it's really a full circle story, which is why I'm so excited about it. So. Uh, out of college, I actually was a social entrepreneur, uh, raised money, Obama-style, little bits of money here and there, and was a, basically worked in low-income countries trying to understand how do you drive value and solve problems for marginalized people yep. in really low-income settings. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I lived in Rwanda, India, Thailand, Nicaragua, a bunch of places. So I actually came to innovation consulting a little bit different because I came out of the social impact, social innovation space and when I got to uh, the experience strategy and the consulting world, what was most interesting to me actually was how do you take, how do you do empathy research and draw those insights into opportunity areas for yeah. to go and explore again? So it's mm-hmm. really that basis of human connection, spending time with people, trying to understand, put yourself in their shoes, understand wants, pains, and and go from there. That launched me from the nonprofit social impact space into for-profit and nonprofit consulting. And mm-hmm. I got really excited uh, in, I've always been someone that has this mantra of I'd rather, I'd rather uh, fear failure than regret. And I mm, really yeah, yeah. curiosity can create opportunities. And yeah. I got very curious in how do I take my skill sets and try to apply that into a world to go back to the social impact space and I found myself eventually uh, at a conversational AI company working for the CEO of that company, trying to straddle a huge social impact initiative for him and yep. help grow his business 30% year over year over year. And they were a publicly traded company. I, I basically worked for him for about four years. Um, and so mm-hmm. I made the decision to leave that company. Um, it was interesting because like a lot of people that are going through this last year in tech has been very difficult. And for me, it was, look, I was on my ninth day of paternity leave uh, with my, my first son, Mateo. And um, (laughs) I got a phone call from, you know, the CEO. It was like, look, we're cutting uh, 25% of our headcount and Mm -hmm. we're eliminating both your product innovation team that we just launched in four different countries um, and your uh, business strategy team that's that's basically going around the world and closing deals. We're gonna we're gonna reimagine the whole thing. Um, and they offered me to go work in the product side of the house, but I knew that's not where my heart was, and I really yeah, went yeah. back to the social impact space. So I decided, look, let me. We went for a three hour hike up the Hudson, and it was one of those. Look, I would I would rather see. Could I could I take this time? I've always thought about ideas for companies. Could I take my paternity leave, really focus on being a dad, being a husband, and then use the severance package to to dig deep into 
basically do my own empathy research, my own process to try to start a company and to take time for myself and, and go and try that. And the first two ideas, you know, weren't getting much traction when I was doing good old concept testing. And then all of a sudden mm. I realized my biggest pain points and as a dad at the time and started talking to people and identified what became uh, a friend contacted me. We started talking about these ideas and net, lo and behold, we, uh, we, we started magic book. Yeah. Nice. I think let's dive into this because what, what I love about what I think we're going to talk about here is talking about uh, generative AI and, and some of that as, as actually sort of the engine for a great idea as yeah. opposed to generative AI being the idea itself, right? Mm -hmm. This is what's always so frustrating to me. I mean, I, I feel like we're so many people are talking about generative AI. There's nothing cool about generative AI. I think what's cool is all of the kind of other products that it can kind of fuel. So yeah. talk a little bit about this. Like, wh like what first sort of sparked you on this idea of creating a new path for like, helping parents read to their kids like like was it it sounds like your your son was still almost like too young so i, I I'm, I'm trying to think if this was your own personal experience or was this observation of other parents or, or where did it come from yeah great question so i think at a macro level we're shifting from an information age to potentially a creativity age and mm. i see a lot of the generative ai tools uh, particularly some of the large language models and some of the visual AI tools, I I, I truly believe there's going to be a lot of commoditization uh, at some point. And so it's how do you connect a lot of these dots, move quickly, build in a way that is plug and play so you can take best of breed. And I, it's interesting. I think it may be controversial. I actually think brand really good UX uh, and solving real pain points are going to be the differentiators less so than you know, are you like, how are you like, how are, how are, you, are you using chat GPT 3.5 or four or yeah, 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 yeah. are you using Dolly? Um, and that really works for me because my background's entirely in uh, experience design, uh, product strategy and thinking about solving pain points. So for yeah. me personally, uh, you're going to laugh when I say this, but we were really lucky and fortunate when we had Mateo, we, we had a, uh, well, we, before we met there, we had a, a baby shower and we were gifted some, <laughs> something like 60 books. Yeah. yeah. I think it was yeah. like 63, 65. It was some, some crazy number. And like the first third are all books that are like for like 11 year up, 11 year olds and up. So it's like, yeah, you so right. much, so those are going to go in the attic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. there, there was another chunk that are just like classics that you just want to <laughs> have. Uh, mm -hmm. And there was another chunk that just had bad morals or like moral of the story, or they came with warning signs, even though they were New York Times bestsellers. They were like, you know, oh. please, you know, remind your children not to kiss strangers and not to hug strangers. And I'm like, oh, I'm oh, like, geez. why am I reading these books if I have to warn my kid? Yeah. <laughs> or they what story is that? I, that didn't come in my uh, parents' yeah. startup uh, kits. Uh, uh, Jesus. I mean, it's it's so <laughs> pout, pout fish. Everybody has pout pout fish. It's like a book everybody has. Oh, I read okay. it, and it's all about external validation. I really mean this. Like, the, like it's there's a couple of these, books, right? But basically, this fish gets its entire validation in life from at the end of the story, some beautiful fish coming over and kissing him, and mm -hmm. that's like mm -hmm. the exact opposite of 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 how I lived the life very intentional, and and my parents uh, have instilled in me like you know your validation uh, comes from internal, and that's what allows yeah. you want to be in the world. So that's right. I don't want to read. I'm not reading this book again. Uh, yeah, that's garbage. It, yeah. It's going to be funny uh, 
Barry, to come back to your question, it's like I started talking to friends who are yeah. reading experts and literacy experts and kindergarten teachers because I was curious, okay, what books should I be reading? And the more and more I dug, the more and more I found uh, just amazing opportunities to not only help myself with Mateo, but then also help help other parents. And if there's a podcast that I was turned on to really quick that was called Sold a Story. And yeah. it's like a top 200 podcast in the country on Apple, but it's entirely about the reading industry and the literacy industry. Um, mm -hmm. But the more you spend, the more you learn. It's like, look, literacy is a volume game, a variety game, and an effective methods game. And yeah. Coming out of the AI world and the tech world, I'm like, well, I can solve those problems for parents and put a really simple UX and then create intentionality around it. Because yeah. if my mantras and the things I care about are intentionality and 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 uh, bringing a sense of thinking through like, how do I drive meaning in, in life? Um, well, I can take story time and I can make it more intentional, more meaningful and more magical uh, using the techniques I've learned over the last 10 years. And yeah. when you look at the research, it's like brain, these are like legit peer reviewed brain experts. They're saying you're supposed to read five books a day, which is crazy to your kid mm -hmm. from zero until kindergarten. Oh, wow. So That's a lot. It's a lot yeah. of books without you either breaking the bank or just getting bored out of your mind, reading the same things over and over again. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I, Totally concur. I mean, I am no brain scientist. I've been called a lot of things. A brain scientist is not one of them. Okay, just to be yeah. very clear about that. Yeah. But um, it, it, so a few years ago, I gave a talk at World IA Day, like literally a month before COVID hit or two months, whatever it was. Yeah. All about the impact that technology is having on my kids. And at the time, it was quite dystopian. It was quite a negative sort of talk um, that I had to like find some some sort of inspiration at the end. And I you know, use clips of them at sort of like, at, you know, uh, uh, Metropolitan Museum of, of, uh, of Art and uh, uh, Natural History Museum, seeing them interact with digital sort of digital experiences in the physical realm and, and how it can do what Steve Jobs always wanted us to do, which is use it as a tool for creativity, you know, using, yeah. using your analogy. Um, so I think a lot of us come to AI and technology with a bit of a dystopian sense of negativity around it. And you did not have that same... Um, issue. It's quite quite the opposite. So with that, let's get into it. What is Magic Book? What is that that concept in a nutshell? Uh, talk to us a little. You already mentioned a little bit about the about the science behind it. Um, wh what is it in action? What was the inspiration? What's your pitch? Yeah. So we are a storytelling platform that parents, aunts, uncles, loved ones, teachers, they use to create quick custom stories using AI but you have the ability to infuse things that are interesting to the kid, but also the virtues that, that the story maker cares about while laying the foundations of literacy. And mm, yeah. really interesting because we did probably 25 interviews of parent, millennial parents, grandparents, reading experts, and it ran the gamut of what people found interesting. But one of like the thin red lines across that connected everything is the ability to frame stories around different virtues because mm. it's really interesting. So if you think about it from a product strategy lens, you can make an argument that in, you could say, look, in the Vietnam war era, people quote unquote lost faith in some people lost faith in government, 
and mm-hmm. say it during uh, the um, Occupy Wall Street movement uh, and the and the bank bailout that uh, some people lost faith in uh, big banks and right. the system. And so I think there's a macro trend going that in all this hyper partisanship, people are actually more interested now than ever in instilling the virtues they care about in their children or their niece and nephew or their yeah. or their their grandkids. And mm-hmm. and what I love about it is just by asking someone what virtue would you like to stress in this story, I'm in my own way helping that story maker think intentionally about, wow, should I choose generosity or should I choose curiosity or should I choose perseverance? And mm, that's, mm-hmm. where, you know, I think there's a tremendous, you know, in a world of, of, of we're in a dopamine hit world, right? Like if you look, yeah. most, com- most, most brands and most companies, they focus on how to get a dopamine hit. I would yeah. be mm-hmm. a brand that's actually focusing on oxytocin. Oxytocin is the hormone that re- is released when it's the love hormone. It's the bonding hormone. The reality is, is that the actual peer-reviewed science research shows that when a loved one or a caregiver is reading with their little one, it releases oxytocin in the reader and in the child, forming a bigger mm. so Yeah. I when I, the more I think about and the more I test and the more I we like build, I get really excited because this to me is an opportunity to do AI for good in a holistic way without a top down, Hey, I'm pushing you ads or, Hey, I'm telling you who you should be. It's like, no, I'm giving ideally the tools for parents to be parents and them to choose what stories do they care about? What virtues do they care about? And, you know, Barry, you asked, what was the, what was like the initial inspiration? Yeah. Actually want to put and make stories for my son, Mateo, in Buenos Aires, mm-hmm. uh, with his with his favorite stuffed animal, Celestino, his baby blue teddy bear, and I can take him to the Bombonera, or I can take him to eat Milanesa, or I can take him to different places, so that my wife's culture, my family's culture, he starts learning these things as he's reading, even though he's two, when he's two, three, four, five, and I yeah. I can generate mm-hmm. as many books, I can take him to different cities, have him eat different food, and all of that is you could do that with any city, any place in the world, any culture. And that to me is the beauty of the whole generative story making. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely get the creativity angle on it. I think that that's really awesome. But I mean, a part of like the human centered design process is you're sort of solving problems. Like I look Mm -hmm. at this and I, I, I mean, I go, is this also helping people who maybe can't find or don't have enough time to find books that, that are kind of like, the right level for their children or the right sort of story points for their children. Is this also something I mean, I've also been reading a little bit about some major changes that are actually happening in your area with um, elementary education, this sort of massive switch back to phonics based reading versus sort of like pattern recognition sort of based reading. Is, is this really about the story message points? Uh, is it about helping parents who maybe don't have time to find appropriate books is it also about maybe helping to kind of get back to a phonic-based reading program? Or like to talk a little bit more about some of the functional problems it's solving as well as just the creativity it's unlocking. Yeah, so I think it comes back to that volume, variety, and effective methods. Um, volume speaks for itself. Variety speaks for itself. The effective methods piece is what you're talking about. And so mm-hmm. uh, we've spent a lot of time working with uh, literacy experts who come from the science of reading, um, 
methodology, which is what you're talking about, like that return to phonics. And that's yep. what the Soul to Story podcast it is entirely six episode series. It's amazingly well done. And it talks about how reading is actually a learn, literacy is actually a learned skill. It's not something that's intuitive, like eating, sleeping, or, you know, uh, 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 or what not walking. Uh, mm-hmm. So phonics becomes a really important component to that. And l- literacy is something that I, is like really near and dear to me because um, you know, I, I have, if I think of my four grandparents, um, my, three of them Im, Im, uh, emigrated to this country, uh, yeah. and two never made, two didn't, my one's from Argentina, you know, circumstances, they never made it past basically first grade, uh, yeah. and really didn't really speak English. They, they, we grew up in a three generation household and the joke was they would learn English with me. It didn't happen. Um, but thankfully I learned more about my culture, my, my history, my family. I speak Spanish, all of that from them. And on the Mm -hmm. Italian side, um, you know, one made it until eighth grade, but then had to go work to provide for the family. And the other one came uh, to to America and went to first grade, third grade and fifth grade. Uh, Yeah. Oh, like when I think about literacy, I've seen how difficult life can be when, you can't fully partake. And on my Italian side, they, they could read the newspaper. They could engage in the world. You know, they were, they were, they were worldly people because they could read for my grandma. Mm-hmm. So on my Argentinian side, it was more, life was much more difficult in that way to engage because they couldn't read or, or really speak English. Um, so right. the, the mm-hmm. phonetic component is something we're bringing. Like we are a story-making platform. That is our mate. Yeah. We are, we believe in the power of creative confidence and helping parents and people get to that that level of creativity, but our minor is 100% literacy foundations and using things like phonetics and helping build readers and decodables. That, that the, the decodable readers are the ways that you help build simple, simple sentences for people to decode the words. Yeah, and where we want to go in the longer term is really to have stepwise progressions. So you may find you may find yourself reading a story that you're you're son or daughter loves and you may be able to tick that up one or two notches so you're infusing harder phonetic sounds or harder words so they're learning as they're as they're going and that's that's really something that is exciting to me because if it's true that there's a massive gap for any kid who goes to kindergarten there's this thousand book uh program Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of data on the more words kids hear, the more times they read with their with their loved ones, the bigger, the better their brain is developed. Right. If I can do that without breaking the bank for parents and not have them to go to the library every week, um, I've I've I feel like I've I've used AI to bring good into the world, and we're purposely keeping a free tier on the platform so yeah. you can always access our library books. Um, they can have a free trial to generate their own, but in that library, they'll have a lot of books that they can use that run the gamut from picture books to phenom books to uh, interaction books to alphabet to numeracy, whatever it may be. So we're mm-hmm. we're doing our best here to uh, go to market in a way that we're we're thinking about um, a really wide wide range of people because to yeah. me, literacy is a a fundamental right uh, to thrive in life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. My, uh, it's just speaking about that. I mean, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show. I'm Jewish. 
Uh, and uh, I, I imagine my grandfather came to this country maybe around the same time your your grandparents came to this country. Maybe actually probably maybe a little sooner just because I'm old. Um, but, yeah. You know, when, when we were kids, uh, uh, we recently celebrated his life. You know, he did, when we would ask him a question, he wouldn't give us the answer. He'd say, look it up. And so he had to buy us uh, a set of Encyclopedia Britannica. Kids, if you, if you don't know what Encyclopedia Britannica is, you should Google that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, for, for sure, uh, uh, knowledge is access. Knowledge is, is, is empowerment. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, about access because, I mean, I mean, the viability of, of the product is there. The, the scientific benefits are there, but it's AI, right? So how do you generate, how do you get people who are not technically, tech, technologically savvy, let's say if my grandfather were still here and he wanted me to look something up and generate a story for me, how would someone like that who doesn't interact with mid-journey or doesn't know how to, you know, engineer a prompt or, or wouldn't even know what discord is if it slapped him in the face how do you how do you bridge that gap from an access standpoint yeah it's, it's a great question um interestingly i love that you called out discord because like i was talking to someone like oh well couldn't you just make these books on on mid-journey and go like really intense on mid-journey i was like yeah of course yeah. but like someone has to be like go on discord there's no api for for mid-journey and you know if you want to create your yeah. own book that's, that's right. awesome i've created my own books but it probably means spending at least an hour building these things. And my yeah. goal is for yeah. parents to be able to churn out books in five, six, seven minutes. Not, not, yeah. you know, this is not a Magnus Opus. You know, this is really just, Hey, look, I want to create quick custom stories that bring a lot of variety and that I can uh, also uh, not go crazy uh, reading the same books. But to answer your question, two things. One is we're in talks with the Barbara Bush foundation for family literacy um, mm. to potentially try to test the product with uh, low literacy families so that we can really test our our uh, our, our UX um, to see how do we improve it um, to make sure that it's really accessible to to a wider wider range of people. Um, that being said, uh, uh, I did used to have uh, uh, Encyclopedia Britannicas in my house and have to look everything up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember we my dad one time for Christmas he bought us like the unabridged Oxford dictionary that's like you know. A, 1200 pages that you could you know lift weights with kind of thing and it has yeah has right. magnifying glass that comes with it so you can read the words um and <laughs> well fun fun fact about that uh, my grandfather you know he, he was also a little thrifty so we got our encyclopedia botanicas at a flea market in in uh, miami florida that was dated from the 60s. So imagine my <laughs> surprise when yeah. all the borders of every single country on earth changed in, yeah. the, in the 40 intervening years. I'm like, yeah. yeah, look it up. Look up what, Estonia? Like, like yeah. that's a country? Y all right. Yugoslavia is still yeah. like trumpeting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that. What bubbles up? I, yeah, so I, I think it's, I mean, it's, I was thinking a little bit about this in preparation for this call. Like, I mean, to me, technology has always had a really interesting relationship with reading and learning to the read. I mean, I, so I've hired people that, that came out of LeapPad and, and some like some of the companies that yeah. kind of worked around that. Sure. But I feel like a lot of the places where I've seen that work, 
was in very, very mechanical, fundamental, sort of like sounding out letters, trying to gamify sort of like the sounds and the kind of like the combinations of letters for new sounds. I haven't really seen a whole lot of really success, I think, um, with the sort of creating more interesting stories. And that's what's so interesting about this to me, Marco, is that really this is sort of that next leap. This is about genuinely um, having really original plots, having sort of like familiar characters, be, being able to, it's, it's the creativity aspect of it that I think is going to be interesting. But do you, do you ever, I mean, do you think that some people are going to struggle with the technology piece and kind of, I don't, I, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like why has there not been more sort of creativity infused technology pieces in some of these story programs. It's been more about the phonics of reading in the past, in my mind. So that's a great question. So the first is, um, you know, the, the, the world of like actually learning literacy, like that's, there's a lot of research and work that's done there. For instance, you know, the, yeah. the place that, you know, whether it's hooked on phonics, you want to go super educational or you yeah. want to go to um, Duolingo, like they mm-hmm. really do the foundational stuff we're not going to replace a kindergarten teacher or a preschool teacher. What we are going to do is help support uh, a parent. So if we know, if a parent knows, Hey, they're struggling with the short a sound, you could easily generate, you know, stories that have a lot of short a words into, and and then practice that with, with your, your child. Yeah. And so uh, I think the second answer is, it's just really hard. The more we've spent time talking to real, you know, literacy experts from Morton Gillingham and all these different types of, of, of methodologies of schools, a lot of them fall under this, this science of reading uh, umbrella. It's fascinating how hard this is. And I come from it speaking two languages and always trying to work with my, my grandfather and grandmother to learn English and them asking me questions like, Mm. why does it make this sound here and not this sound here? And like, Oh, that's just the way it is. Like, I don't really know how to explain this well. So I don't, I don't want to oversell and say, look, you can just get rid of um, teachers or like, you know, you can get rid of like curriculums. What we really want to be is a place that's supporting parents with their children and reinforce literacy more so than, you know, you're going to learn literacy. You'll learn different sounds, We'll have stuff for the 44 phenomes that are the important ones, um, but we're not we're not looking right now unless a funder is like, look, we really want you to go after you know the Duolingo style. We're not mm. move down deep that way. We're going to go more towards how do you make how do you make how do you increase creative confidence yeah. that people can generate stories. And in that Encyclopedia uh, Britannica example, I was going to say, look. I'm old enough to use Encyclopedia Botanica. I'm also old enough to remember the Mad Lib days. And oh yeah, but, sure. So the the first place to start because where we know we're going to go is we want to be a we want to be a full fledged. We see a future where there's story making, and you can be making stories for books. You can make an immersive uh, VR. That that's like the future. But where we're starting to make it super easy for people is Mad Libs. Yeah, yeah. Mad Lib per genre. You can you can pick and choose different words, different nouns, and then we will ha- that will help you quickly generate your custom story. And mm-hmm. uh, we have some we have a magic wand that you can tap because if you're a busy parent and you just had enough, you just tap you just tap <laughs> yeah. the magic wand. 
we will auto populate that bad boy for you. So you just tap yeah. on, say, let's go. And we're off to the races. That's the yeah. feeling lucky of uh, magic book. Nice. Yeah. So, so I think we've got the, the, the sort of the, the design, the product, the science behind it. Let's talk a little bit about the business side of it. So, you know, obviously if you're talking about, you know, product innovation, you're talking about, um, you know, customer experience, we use the term value exchange, right? So we get, we understand the value to the parents, you understand the value to the kids. What's the business value? So tell us a little bit how you came to this as a, as a business venture you know, and, and a little bit about the growth plan, um, how you monetize um, and, and where you're going next with it. Yeah. Like what's the pitch to investors? So we look, we think very simply, um, one thing that is very clear with generative AI is that it has added, I would say magnitudes to the tsunami of user generated content into the world and into the, yep. in that kind of world, the people who help parents easily create storybooks, there's going to be winners and losers. And mm -hmm. in yep. reality, it's very challenging to publish your business models. Uh, because if you look, if you look on Reddit or you look, uh, on, you just start Googling stuff, basically, you'll see there are plenty of people generating stories that are off brand for a lot of franchise characters. Yep. Um, and so we want to be at the place where, People, when they think about, okay, I have to create a story, I want it to be intentional, meaningful, and magical, I'm going to go to Magic Book to create that story, especially when it's someone that's under the age of six years old. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 And and uh, and and so so how are you how are you marketing it how what's what's the what are the first couple channels that you're thinking about for for commerce uh, is it you know uh, schools is it uh, um, you know is, is it a B two B model and you tell us a little bit about yeah how you, so we're going how, how you think about making money out of it? totally so we had a lot of conversations thinking about do we just go nonprofit or do we try to do a for profit model when push comes to shove we are you know we're a for purpose for profit company. Mm -hmm. um we will have we'll go to market with three tiers there'll be a free model where you can generate almost like a free trial uh, mm -hmm. yep. we will have a and then you'll have access to the library uh you know as, 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 a, as a as a free user um we're not gonna nail people with ads we just think that's not the right model particularly when you're talking about uh little kids yeah yeah, um, that, yeah that hurts that hurts a brand and a brand's equity uh mm -hmm. there'll be a basic and a premium and yeah. uh we've it's really interesting not one i've done a lot of interviewing of people um across the border like for a spectrum from grandparents to teachers to literacy uh specialists not one person when i showed them the concept test or i showed them the demo or the alpha prototype for the seven people in the alpha prototype not one person said they wouldn't pay for it it was the first time in all the product innovation work I've done. And obviously, you know, people will say one thing and do the other. But having done a lot of product strategy and product innovation work in my career, I've never had every person when I ask, what would you be willing to pay for such a product? If so, how much would you expect to pay? I've never mm -hmm. in my life had 100% buy-in to, oh, yes, I would pay for this. And then the prices range based on the how they think 
what they think the benefits are of the product. So that's when I knew it's like, okay, like I did the standard lean, lean startup model yep. and yep. whether it was paper prototype or visual prototype or functional prototype, I'm getting the same answers uh, and we're moving super fast. So uh, that's the change is, is pretty clear. That's great. That's great. Um, so, uh, well, the easy question then, uh, I've got a couple, let's, let's, let's call it backlog grooming questions. Uh, one, Very product uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're going to, we're just going to go into the, uh, the sprint planning right now. Uh, multilingual. I mean, you, you, uh, speak multiple languages. Uh, my, my family speaks multiple languages is, is magic book multilingual in nature or oh, will it be off the bat? It's just going to be English, uh, American English. Mm-hmm. I should say that because we are, yeah. we are going to be, uh, testing with a couple of, uh, B2B, uh, nursery schools. Uh, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of them is going to be in the UK. So we're going to have to get, we're gonna have to get, uh, English, English, British English, uh, right? Uh, as a fast, the Queen's English, the Queen's, well, Queen's <laughs> yeah. English, uh, which I yeah. assuming is the same That's, as the as the Queen's English. I guess uh, uh, maybe, and then well, maybe a little dumber than that. Yeah, and then we'll <laughs> fast follow right into uh, Spanish. So we know, yeah. we know American English, British English, and Spanish in the mm-hmm. in the first six months are going to be uh, uh, part of the equation. Excellent, excellent. I know I already planted one thing in your backlog, although I think I think you already had it, which is uh, printing these books out for long term posterity. I'm just going to say I gave you the idea. If that's cool, yeah. I, I know you already had it, but <laughs> give me something here. We're going to call it. Yeah. We're going to call it the fill. The fill feature. There you go. Yeah. There you go. There because you go. I'm old and I read paper. It also works with F I L L. So fill. Hey. <laughs> Wait, let me, Marco, let me ask you, I guess, a, a question that I think that we bump up against anytime we get excited about one of these generative AI things. And that's kind of around the notion of like guardrails. So anytime you kind of create a tool where someone can create anything, there's always a moment, I imagine, in a business plan where you sort of reflect, like, do we really mean anything? Like, how do you start to think about the ethics of the AI? Like, do you put any guardrails into your product around what kind of a story can be told? Like, yeah, yeah, that's a great I, I, mean, I, I mean, I guess I'm not even sure totally the limits of what I'm asking, but when you can create anything, you could potentially create something that's racist. You could potentially create something that's sexist. You could, mm-hmm. and then how do you determine what the guardrails are or even if that's your role? Like, wh- what have you thought a little bit about in that obviously very complicated space? For your business, yeah, no, we. This is a this is super important because look, I'm a parent, so yeah, this is top of mind to me. So the first things first is by by basically uh, controlling the genres and the Mad Libs to start. We are we have control of narrative to, to get us basically eighty percent of the way there. When it comes yeah. to uh, we have we have a bunch of uh, principles. One principle is that AI is just sand. Uh, and we have to create the sandbox. And so mm. one of the sandboxes nice. is the genre. Yep. Um, another sandbox is fine tuning or training our models. So, yep. uh, we, so there's, it's, we, this is basically kid friendly AI. So you, there, there are certain terms and categories of words that, uh, can't, can't be generated for lack of lack of better terms. So, uh, in one story, for instance, in the alpha prototype, uh, we had someone that the story was they brought their kid to Japan 
Um, they went to Mount Fiji, uh, Mount Fiji, uh, or Mount Fuji, sorry. Um, they went and ate sushi and mm-hmm. they wanted to buy a samurai sword. But mm. RAI model doesn't let you generate weapons. Oh, oh interesting. okay. So the samurai sword, although it is a totally natural uh, uh, souvenir to have, my brother had a samurai sword in, in, in the house. Um, you know, it, it's like, mm, like, please put something else in there and nice. really think about yeah. the prompts. And so, you know, I'm very interested in the beta release to, to, to see the tuning and, and sort of where that balance is. Cause I think you're always going to upset people in some regard and you know, yeah, yeah. stay true to like what common sense and no, mm-hmm. you know, the goal here is, uh, first do no harm when it comes yeah. to, uh, little kids. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. It, it's a challenge in the printed book world for kids as well. It's just mm-hmm. like who's sort of like moral authority reigns supreme a little bit on that. Yeah. But it'll be fascinating to see. I think I love the idea of sort of applying a little bit of a test and learn model to it and kind of like thinking about it as a beta release and letting it shape. That's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, so Excellent. it's been the other big topic. So our, one of our other things besides the AI of sand is let parents be parents. We're not in the business yeah. of telling parents like who to be, what to be. Uh, we are in the business of saying, hey, choose a virtue that you care about um, and mm-hmm. providing every story, except for the ones that are like, you, there's just no virtue possible, like because uh, of the story's plot. It's like there's no real way here to infuse a virtue. Uh, yeah. Here's three to five. It's going to change the story. You choose the one of the three to five. Um, yeah. 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 It's the Hippocratic yeah. Oath of, of AI that we all should sign as you know creative professionals uh, before we yes. start the project. Well, I mean, what you really see now, I mean, I, I won't I won't blast any any companies out there, but uh, you know, I just got nailed by what I call dark or what's called dark design last mm-hmm. week by a company that was like, oh, use our platform, put in your credit card, you get uh, three months free, and on this date we will charge yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I was gonna basically this is I was gonna wait till the last day and then kill it and then yep. sign up and pay for it under my business account. So I could expense it as part of the business. Sure. They charge after getting email every month saying, Hey, this is your last date. They charged me the day before that date. Oh, and then in the fine man. print, it says we recommend canceling like 48 hours before. Uh, and that they reserve the right to bill you 24 hours in advance. And that's a yeah. company that everyone's obsessed with their brand. Everybody uses them. You can't really, you can't really do a lot in social media uh, without, without using them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. your brand ethos is supposed to be about like, you know, design is for everybody. Yeah. And these like, it's like, it's this dark design stuff where we're like, look, we're dealing with parents and uh, little kids. Like we're, we're doing our best not to apply any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 You got to be hyper ethical. You do, yeah. and, and and use the word intentionality, uh, which I think is very appropriate. Um, yeah. And so, with intentionality, I think Barry, I, I don't know, it might be time to pivot to the steel. I mean, we could keep talking for yeah. a long, long time. I think it's a wonderful idea, Marco. Uh, thank you for chatting about it with us. I mean, Barry, we you know, of course, yes, there, there's so much more to uncover. But of all the things we did have a chance to chat with Marco about, what what are some things that you think you'll steal? For some of your projects or uh, or, or or ventures coming up, 
Well, I just, I'm almost going to go right back to where I think the conversation started with Marco, where he saw, sort of said that he likes to live his life by fearing failure rather than fearing regret. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and I think, I think it's a particularly exciting time to be starting a new business right now. Right. I think there are a lot of people that I think you and I bump into who are being very conservative right now and kind of like just sort of digging the bunker deeper and just saying like, let me just sort of ride this thing out. I'm not sure what generative AI is going to mean for me. I'm not sure what the crazy interest rates are going to need for my business. I'm not sure what, who knows, Mm -hmm. you know, insert any of the number of items on the list. Um, and and actually, I, I think uh, historically, when you sort of zoom out and you look at a lot of these other periods of time in the past, they are often the best moments to step out and to try to take a little bit of risk and start a new thing. And so I just wanted to applaud Marco for stepping out at this yeah, moment. Definitely. You know, brand new family. You know, he left a very successful sort of consulting career to 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 take a dive into what I think is actually a really incredibly impressive opportunity, but still a risk nonetheless. And so mm-hmm. I just think that that's, you know, even in smaller ways, if all of us can kind of steal a little bit of that fervor and kind of recognize that this is actually an awesome moment mm-hmm. to experiment and an awesome moment to really try something a little bit bolder and new, that's what I'm going to try to steal myself. So what about you? Yeah. Uh, so, so true. I, and, and I'm, going to steal something in a similar vein. Uh, First of all, uh, uh, early childhood development professionals, uh, psychologists, teachers, educators, what have you, uh, have determined that the differentiator between a kid who's okay and a kid who's truly successful is this thing called the growth mindset. Mm. Uh, And I've taken that in some of my talks and just switch it up a little bit and call it the challenge acceptance mindset. It's basically... Failure equals better outcomes, which yep. we use over and over again in the product world, in the CX world, in the UX world, what have you. Fail fast, fail early, fail often, and then find your truth. And, you know, it is Juneteenth, right? And one of the greetings uh, that they give on Juneteenth is, may you have a fulfilled day. Yep. And and Marco had a real pivot point, an inflection point, a a uh, crisis of conscience, perhaps, uh, when they said, I could take this job and be safe, yep. or I could accept this challenge and follow my heart yep. and be fulfilled. And he chose the latter. And uh, in a time when, yeah, I, there's a lot of fear, right? We talked with Todd Rathbone. It's either fear yep. or ambition. Yep. That's and, right. And, and two drivers. Cho- yep. Exactly. And he chose the latter every time. It will work every time. Almost every Well. It'll almost work every time, but at least if you believe in it, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 the it's the path to uh, to greatness um, uh, paved with 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 virtue, yep. and to do so with intentionality to use technology for good when everyone is so threatened by the oncoming onslaught of you know the bots taking our jobs they're not going to take our jobs we still own the idea yep. uh, they're 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 still working for us these bots. Um, and, uh, and I think it's even better that they're working for us parents. Um, and I'm so fearful of the effect that all these devices are having on my kids. I love the positive spin that magic book brings, uh, to, to the parent child, uh, relationship. It's, it's precious. It really is. 
I just love, I love the product idea. It's about creativity. So many of the AI products that I feel like we're talking about the most right now, Phil, are just like efficiency products. Yeah. Look, you'll be faster, less people. Mm-hmm. And and this is what I hope is is sort of like part of the wave of stuff I'm actually excited about, yeah. which is like creativity, sort of like unlocking products. Mm-hmm. And I that's think right. for, for parents, this is great. Well, unlocking products, but unlocking people too. And I think yeah, that's that's yeah. where the growth lies. Go ahead, Marco. Yeah, what are you going to steal from us? <laughs> well, it's just pretty interesting. I mean, number one, um, I just love the camaraderie and uh, the back and forth of the show. Uh, mm. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm first time, long time, first time on the show, long time listener. Uh, <laughs> yes. Look, I think that's really important when you're starting a company is how do you attract yeah. the people that are bringing their values uh, and, and also bringing their collaborative mindset, because this is hard work. I, I really mean this. Like when people hear the idea, not nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 people are like, oh yeah, that's easy. You should do that. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. understand just how difficult it is. Like when you, I've seen yeah. some people pop up, not one of them are doing a character on every page of the story. They're doing like big landscapes or like one big image and then a great story. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're doing the hard work to make it a really good experience and make it simple. Um, yeah. can, so check us out on magicbook.kids. Um, you can look at some of the library books that are on there. Follow us on Instagram. We're magicbook underscore kids. Uh, I will tell you and give you a warning that uh, our chief inspiration officer, a 10-month-old named Mateo, is the <laughs> curator and uh, social media manager for our Instagram. So oh, good. we get overloaded with uh, baby boss or cuteness. Uh, <laughs> well, and- his skill level is about the same as ours when it comes yeah. to social media. So Yeah, and then sign up, that's for, all good. sign up for the beta wait list. So it's really interesting. We're going to have to uh, basically do it in tranches and take people 25 at a time. We're not going to just going to do 10 on a beta and then open it up to everybody. We have, yeah. you know, we have, we have uh, almost 200 people on the, on the beta wait list. We're going to basically be choosing people month by month off of that. So if people are interested, come join up, join the beta wait list. Uh, it's the best way to help us right now as we continue to raise money. And uh, it's been a pleasure being here and yeah, I, uh, I thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When, when do you think that? When do you think the, the beta might go live? Like, if you had to guess right now, Marco, when do you think that the beta would go live? Well, uh, I'll say I'll do better than guess. So the beta. Oh, oh, here we go. So, if you heard it here first, we'll go over under. Uh, <laughs> the product roadmap and sprint plan would say that mm-hmm. we will be live with the beta on July seventh. The question is going to be how much testing are we going to do uh, internally uh, before we put it on to. Uh, all right, baby. you got to test. You got to test. Oh no, Come we're on. gonna be doing testing. In the last sprint, the last sprint is is uh, the last week. Of the last sprint is just test, 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 test. The question is, got it? Is that gonna be enough? Uh, all right, testing. Well, this is hot. Then here it is. It's like June nineteenth, like Phil said, June yeah. and uh, potentially early July launch. So you got to get out there, people, and Absolutely. sign up for the beta. Absolutely, yeah. get in while yeah. it's hot. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, it's a great product and it's a great idea. And that's really what we celebrate here on these shows. At least we try to here on What Bubbles Up, Marco. So thank you for joining. And thank you to all of our listeners once again for listening to another great episode of What Bubbles Up. Uh, Please subscribe if you have not yet or uh, get your friends to subscribe by sharing this podcast on your social channels. We, uh, We certainly appreciate everybody who posts about us 
and shares it out themselves. As as uh, we always love to say, uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, Spotify, probably some others that I'm forgetting. Or yeah. you can find any episode from the past three plus years of uh, of, of our broadcast here at uh, whatbubblesup.com. Phil? Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so by emailing us at wetbubblesup at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at wetbubblesup. Thank you so much once again to Marco Ambrosio, the CEO and founder of Magic Book. We will see you next time on What Bubbles Up. Cheers. What Bubbles Up. What bubbles up? My feels pumping off my podcast. What bubbles up?